Welcome in to another edition of the Deep Slam Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Welcome in. It's week 12. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully you're out Black Friday shopping, maybe from the comfort of your own home, which is how I like to Black Friday shop nowadays. Uh, maybe you're just enjoying turkey leftovers and uh, getting yourself on a trip to Fan High just to take a trip to Fan Nap, which I wish I was doing. Or maybe you're just hanging out with family and friends, which is always fun to do this time of year. Whatever you're doing, glad you could join us for this podcast. It's a big one. It's jam-packed, super-sized, uh, just like your Thanksgiving meal probably was, at least mine was. Uh, we've got Tyrod Taylor fresh off his win at Tennessee. We talk about how the season's really gone for him, the ups and downs of it, how he has made connections throughout the league with his personality. And you'll see it. He's pretty soft-spoken, not an a loud, rah-rah sort of a guy. Uh, we talk about how he's able to really connect with people. I always find that really fascinating when guys aren't super outgoing and yet everybody likes them and they find a way to connect. So we talk about that. We talk about his fashion, how it's really evolved over the years. He tells a great story about why he wore a suit the first two years he was starting and and who put that idea in his head and why it was important to him. So we sort of hit on a little bit of everything. He was he was great to sit down and catch up with. He'll be getting his fifth start of the season this year when the Texans host the New York Jets on Sunday. So we'll preview the Jets with Jets team reporter Ethan Greenberg. And then we've got a bonus interview with a really special local Houston sports fan, a very young one. So we'll Talk about Manav Gupta's journey into getting all these really big-name athletes that he's gotten this year on his YouTube channel. So he's a big Texans fan, a big Houston sports fan, how he burst onto the scene, and uh, what we can expect from him in the future, and his advice to aspiring broadcasters. It's all coming up on this edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. But first, Texans fans, Xfinity it delivers the fastest internet in Houston, so you can do more of what you love. Stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Let's get right into it with Tyrod Taylor. Had two rushing touchdowns last week against the Titans, one where he dove over a bunch of defenders, and that's really where we started this one-on-one presented by Xfinity. Check it out. Great to see you back out on the field again. I think one of my favorite pictures is going to forever be this season, you diving over the pile with the rain and uh, you getting that touchdown on the road against Tennessee. Yeah, well, that was definitely a fun game to be a part of. Obviously, didn't plan on jumping, but that's <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes in the game uh, when you're just in the moment and competing and doing whatever it takes to, to get the team in the end zone. I was just going to ask you that. At what point were you scrambling and you thought, you know what, now would be a good time to dive over, guys? Um, I really just took the chances. I figured most DBs go low, so I was just kind of reading his body language, and it looked like he was preparing to, to either – try to chop me or go at my feet and I just tried to jump. I wanted to clear him but um, it was probably a good thing that he grabbed my foot because I probably would have flipped and fell on my head or something. <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't want to see that. I, I, I gotta admit, I cringed a little bit when you dove but then once you scored, it was like, that was great. We'd love to see that again. <laughs> just uh, stay healthy. Your mobility is something that everyone sort of talked about before you even took to the field and David Culley who remembered you, obviously from your time in Buffalo, said he thought you looked even faster this year than you did back then so as a quarterback there's so many different aspects of your game you have to work on but how do you work on mobility how do you work on your speed I would just I mean taking training in the offseason serious I mean obviously understanding that that's part of my game um actually when coach Kelly when we were together I was coming off of a growing surgery so it could be true that I am more explosive this year 
like I said, it was just detail in, in the preparation in the offseason and trusting the guys um, in the weight room here in season and taking care of your body, doing the right thing. You don't just wake up like, I'm fast. I can just once do upon it. it. Once upon a time. <laughs> once upon a time. Now you got to work <laughs> on it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things about you, your interceptions per pass attempt, it's one of the lowest in the league. 1.5% of your pass attempts have ended in interception. That's something that a lot of people talk about, your ability to protect the ball. Aaron Rodgers is the lowest at 1.3%. How does that sort of come about over the course of your career, learning not to throw interceptions? I mean, is that something that's just a learned skill, a learned trait? Do you have to focus time on it, or is it just a matter of how you play the game? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it's definitely how I play the game, but I think just learning um, over the years, just the, the winning formula. I mean, obviously, no self-inflicted mistakes, and that's turnovers as part of that, as well as uh, penalties and trying to keep those at minimum. Um, definitely helped. I remember back in my early days and getting drafted to Baltimore, we had a very strong defense and a lot of talent on offense as well, too. But I remember having conversations with Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and those guys and just the defensive mindset. When you have a strong defensive unit, just sometimes it's it's okay to end the, end the drive and whether it's a field goal or a punt. I mean, obviously not giving the ball back to the other team, shortening the field. Sometimes you got to play more of a game management game, and then sometimes when you have to go out there and take those risks um, and give your guys opportunities to make plays. So it's a, it's a little bit of balance, yeah, that goes in it. That being said, the Miami game, everyone talked about how that was so uncharacteristic. How about for you mentally? Because you end on that game, and then you've got this long stretch of a bye week where that's sort of the last thing sitting in your memory. But you come out against Tennessee, and it's like a, a distant memory for you. For you personally, how do you overcome a tough game like that and, and turn the page to the next game and not let that really linger in your mindset? Yeah, I mean, honestly, as a competitor, um, anytime you lose, it's tough. You beat yourself up about it. I'm probably one of my, or not one of my, I'm my biggest critic. My parents will tell you that, the coaches will tell you that. So obviously, getting the bad taste out of your mouth, you want to play the next week. We had a bye week, so you had a, I had a chance to process it, learn from it, and make sure that I put it behind me, uh, didn't let it linger until the, the next week. I think that's just all about being a professional, understanding it's going to be ups and downs um, on your personal journey, but also in your athletic career. And if you stay focused on uh, what you set out to do at the beginning of the season, um, you can stay laser focused on the ultimate goal, which is winning each and every week and putting yourself in a position to do that. And if you're thinking about the past, you, you can't be your best self moving forward. All right, a little bit about your past. You grew up in Hampton, Virginia, and I heard somewhere in an interview that you did a long time ago that Allen Iverson is like a big brother to you because you guys both grew up in the same in the yeah. same town. So what did you learn from Allen Iverson growing up? Um, I mean, obviously he was just about every every athlete my age. I mean, growing up, watched Allen Iverson. They seen the braids. They seen the swag on the on the court. I've seen him on the football field as well, too. Just, uh, I mean, all-around baller. Just the swag that he took with him, him being himself each and every day, just was unique. And, I mean, if you know people from my area, then we definitely take those conversations and we take the way he played, the way Vic played, other guys. I won't continue to keep naming, but it's a ton of guys. And we just take those, I guess, just looked at them and put them as a focus, more so to say, when, I, when we were younger, just trying to be like those guys. And make plays and do what we could for our team. Well, you're really well respected in the NFL as well. I feel like every time I hear any sort of commentator or former player talk about you, they always say, Tyrod Taylor, my guy. In fact, I, I think it was Nate Burleson after your first your first start, he said, that's my guy. Mm -hmm. 
And what I want to know is, because you're obviously not like a loud rah-rah guy, you're sort of soft-spoken, you're, you know, you're very thoughtful in, in what you say. How are you everyone's guy? Like, how um, do you make that connection? Um, I don't know. I mean, Nate is a great, great, great dude. I think it's just a respect level. Um, obviously, we've crossed paths, and I've crossed paths with, in my 11 years as a professional with many guys, and even guys that I played against in college, they went on to be professionals. But it's just a respect level, always treating people with respect. And, I mean, ultimately, game recognizes game. I mean, regardless of how things shape out, game recognizes game. Game recognized game, and I, I think that could also be said for your fashion. We've really enjoyed some of your game day looks. Uh, how do you? How would you describe your fashion personality? Um, I'm, I don't know. It's tough to describe it. I actually had that question years ago. Um, I'm just being me. Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not very outspoken. Um, so sometimes when it comes to fashion, you let the outfit uh, or your look speak for you. I think it just boils down to just being confident in whatever you wear. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, and you seem to pull that off well. Who shops for you? Do you shop for yourself? Yeah. And you do. Yeah, more. Do. So you get to keep the clothes that you've purchased? Yeah. That is that is a huge plus. All right, so how do you think your fashion has evolved over the years? I think it's evolved with time. I mean, I don't I don't want to say I'm trendy. Um, like I said, if anything, it's, it's something that just <coughs> puts my personality together. Not necessarily, like I said, an over-outspoken person, but I speak through my outfits, and like I said, I don't. All right, well. I, I like getting dressed. I mean, All right, well, I'm going to take you down memory lane. This is um, Tyrod Taylor circa October-ish yeah. 2015. Back when I was in the suit wave. Yeah, you did a lot of suits and three-piece suits, which yeah. don't seem super comfortable on a plane. I actually have a story about why I wore so many suits. Why? Um, so when I first signed there, obviously Rex Ryan was the head coach. I was coming from Baltimore. Rex Ryan was coming from New York. And he told me, I mean, at the time, obviously, Buffalo is not necessarily a bigger market. Obviously, they've got more notoriety now because of them doing well the past couple of seasons. But he was saying that anytime you get a chance to be in front of a camera in Buffalo, make sure you present yourself well. And at the time, it was my first year, got the starting job. And I was like, you know what? I want to do 15 different suits or 16 different suits and end up going with 16 different suits that year. So I have a ton of suits at, at home. <laughs> a ton. Cause I That's think a lot next, of suits. Yeah. Next year, I did 16 new ones too and so then you eventually transitioned over to like a more yeah casual vibe game yeah, day yeah all right can we expect any suits for the rest of the year for game day um possibly oh possibly. okay all right possibly. i like to wear yeah. a suit traveling game day it's a little more relaxed just getting to the field of the home games you yeah. mean home yeah. games a little bit more relaxed yeah we'll see though you never know all right holidays coming up <laughs> We may see some themes coming up. All right, Tyrod, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the time. Best of luck the rest Thank of the Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Also, I might add, and I don't think I've ever, ever promoted the video version of this podcast. Maybe I have, but it's been a while. If you go to the video version of my one-on-one one -on -one with Tyrod Taylor, there is a bonus section where we play a little game of showing Tyrod his, some of his game day looks, and he breaks them down for us. Now, for radio and for podcast purposes, it's kind of annoying to hear someone talk about um, something that you can't see. So I, I took that out for all intents and purposes and kind of kept it more just him talking about fashion in general. But you, if you want to see some of his game day looks and what and how he put them together and what really inspired him, check out the video version on HoustonTexans.com or the Houston Texans mobile app. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the Jets. Ethan Greenberg, he's a Jets team reporter. He talked about this 2-8 and eight Jets team. And in the interview, which I 
took earlier in the week with Ethan, the Jets did not know who was going to be their starting quarterback. So we sort of talked about the quarterback situation all around. They've had three starting quarterbacks, four quarterbacks uh, play in total for this 2021 season. So we talked about all of them. We talked about Joe Flacco and Mike White and how the season's really gone for the Jets. I left it in there because I felt like it sort of paints the story of where they are now, the 2-8 and eight Jets, uh, and, and what their journey has been like this year. It's been rough goings for them as well. So under first-year head coach Robert Sala. So we get into all that with Ethan Greenberg on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Ethan, the Jets sitting at 2-8 and eight, just like the Texans. What's the mood like uh, with the fan base? Would you say it's optimism for the future or is it frustration with the losses what are things like right now up there in your market i would say it's almost a, a mix of both because i think what's frustrating for fans is that the team has obviously not done as well as you'd hope it to like you said the jets are two and eight but the young players on the team are playing at a very high level particularly the rookies let's start in the second round with wide receiver elijah moore he had a career high, eight catches, 141 yards and a touchdown against the Dolphins last week, including a 62 yard catch and run. He's really come on strong the past couple of weeks. And then let's start or let's go to the fourth round. Michael Carter, who just was announced that he's going to miss about two to four weeks with a low grade high ankle sprain, which I don't really know what that means, but I know that it means he's, he's going to miss time. So. He's the Jets starting running back, and he started to really improve over the past couple of weeks. He saw his vision really take that next step. And Robert Sala said these guys might be rookies, but they can't really be playing like them because they have prominent roles with the green and white. And let's go back to the first round. Elijah Vera Tucker has been a starter for this Jets team at left guard from day one. He's an up and coming player on this team, and he's been playing well lately. But the frustration comes in when you start at the number two overall pick in Zach Wilson, because he's missed about a month with a PCL sprain and it's up in the air, whether or not he will make his return against the Texans in Houston on Sunday. And if not, you would anticipate that it'd be Joe Flacco again, who started against the dolphins, his first start with the jets in 2021. And he had a good game. He threw for 291 yards threw for two touchdowns. He did lose a fumble, but he really, he really got cleaned on a, on a blindside blitz where Brandon Jones, the Dolphins safety came free. So I would say it's a mix between frustration and optimism because it's a balance of short term and long term. But that I think is the mood of the fan base. And I think they're starving for a win because that's kind of the temperature of New York fans, wherever, whatever the sport is, whatever the season is, they always are starving for wins. So I think that right there would be a snapshot of what's happening with the fans here in New York. Yeah, I think that's well said. And, and you mentioned the frustration at the quarterback. The Jets have had a rotation of quarterbacks. So let's let's just hit the quarterback position right out the gate. You, you mentioned Joe Flacco last week when Robert Sala announced that he was going to be starting over Mike White. You know, what went into that decision? And did Flacco do enough to maintain that role while Zach Wilson stays out with the injury? So the reason why the Jets went with Flacco last week against the Dolphins is because Miami has to offer a lot of different cover zero looks where it's a complex system that for any quarterback, but Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl champion in this league, a Super Bowl MVP. He's seen a lot of football, especially compared to the active quarterbacks on the Jets roster, Zach Wilson, a rookie, Mike White, who's in, who's been in the NFL but his first start came in 2021. He was a fifth round pick in 2018, but he never played in the regular season. So Robert Sala and the staff thought that Joe Flacco would be the best option because what, what's going to happen against Miami, which we saw, they're going to crowd the box. 
You're not going to know who's rushing from where. So Joe Flacco, they thought, would be the best at identifying the defense and getting the ball out to playmakers. And I think that he did do enough to earn the starting job, assuming Zach Wilson is not healthy. I mean, it's been a question, one, whether or not he's healthy. Two, the other thing that Robert Salas talked about is confidence in Zach Wilson, meaning are you confident in your knee that he sprained the PCL sprain against the Patriots about a month ago? Are you confident where you're not second guessing yourself? You don't have to think about like, you don't have to think about it. You can just be free. You can go out and play football. What the Jets love about Zach Wilson dating all the way back to the pre-draft process was his ability to create off platform. So when things break down, he can go out outside of the pocket. He can make something happen. And we saw that when the Jets beat the Titans, ironically, at MetLife Stadium. But is he confident in the knee? I think Robert Sala last week said structurally the knee's getting in a good place. They worked him out pregame before they took on the Dolphins. They're working him out Monday, Tuesday, and then they'll determine whether or not Zach Wilson will be healthy enough to return against the Texans. Yeah, Zach Wilson, you know, obviously you got to see a little bit of him early on before the knee injury. What did you like about what you saw in him and where does he really need to improve? But was there anything about his performance that really stood out to you when you look back on it? I'll start with something that I think he and everybody else in the organization would say he needed to do to take a step as a rookie. And that's, as Robert Sala says, and I'm putting up air quotes, play boring football. So what, what does that exactly mean? It means you don't have to make the splash play all the time. You can just check down and whenever the receiver's open, even though it might be a little check down to a running back, just, just give them the ball. Let your playmakers do their thing after the catch. And we saw that actually when the Jets beat the Bengals with Mike White, when he threw for over 400 yards, he just took what the defense gave him. I think, and Zach Wilson spoke to the media after that game, and he said, that's something that I can do better, and that's something that I think he will do better when he does return. And what's caught my eye, I mean, one, he's mobile. Two, he's a first-year captain, right? He's the number two overall pick. And remember, there was the whole debacle. Was he a captain at BYU his senior year? Was he not? No one knew what to make of it. Well, he was a captain from day one for the Jets, and the locker room really rallies around him, and not to mention just the arm talent. I mean, Zach Wilson against Tennessee, the throw that stood out to me is he rolls out right. He just kind of flicks the ball on the run. It goes 50-plus yards in the air to Keelan Cole, and that was a game-changing play for the Jets at that time. Later on in the game, Zach Wilson takes him off the fastball, and he throws kind of a lob pass to Keelan Cole again on a third-and-two crunch time play in overtime that set up the Jets to win. So I think Zach Wilson has all the tools right? We, we saw that in the pre-draft process. It was evident in training camp. It was evident in the first part of the season. The biggest step for him is just going to be playing within the system, which will then allow him to make plays outside of the structure and make those chunk gains down the field. All right. One more quarterback question, and then I'll move on. But what about Mike White? He was such a fan favorite, threw for over 400 yards in his first start, and then gets benched uh, after throwing a bunch of interceptions against Buffalo. Have we seen the last of him this year? Do you see any situation where Mike White takes the field again? It seemed like there was a lot of excitement around uh, his performance early on. Well, the Jets are very bullish on Mike White. And whether or not that means start uh, as a starter down the road, like with the Jets, if injury presents itself, whether that means as a backup, I think that's to be determined. But Robert Sala was very clear that the Jets very much believe and Mike White as a quarterback, they very much believe him, believe in him as a person. And you saw the reaction. You kind of mentioned it. 
the players really rally around like, like kind of like they rally around Zach Wilson and the Bengals game was amazing. Right. And I, I think when he played against Indianapolis, the jets go three and out his second drive, he comes in the game again, he leads the jets down the field. And this was a prime time game. So everyone is really like, Oh, what, what is Mike white? First of all, who is he? Second of all, what is he? Is he a good player? Was it a flash in the pan against the Bengals? And we didn't really get the answer to that because he only played two drives. Then what happens against Buffalo, obviously to your point, he throws four interceptions and then he plays, or then the jets have the dolphins that offer a complex look on defense. And the jets brought in Joe Flacco for a reason. They traded for him before the deadline and they wanted a veteran presence in this room. One to four guys like Mike white and Zach Wilson two for situations to give them a chance to win on Sundays. And that's why Joe Flacco was in the game this past Sunday. So I don't think we've seen the last of Mike White, but to what extent, I, I think that's a, that's like kind of a Chris, uh, an eight ball question, right? Like where you got to shake it up and you got to look in, in the future. And I think that's tough to tell because I think that the Jets really do like Mike White, but obviously Zach Wilson is the future of this franchise and he was drafted at number two overall for a reason. All right. You mentioned uh, wide receiver Elijah Moore, the rookie. He's had uh, five touchdowns in five games and just off to a tremendous start, no matter really who's throwing him the ball, no matter who's uh, under center at quarterback. But for people that haven't seen much of Moore, what does he do well in that passing game? What really are some of his attributes as a receiver? His best attribute is just getting open. He's really quick. And when you when you see him, right, he's not your, I would say, stereotypical 6'4", 220-pound wide receiver that just he's going to body people on the outside. That's not his game. His game is he gets open in tight windows. He makes you miss, and he's got speed to burn. He runs a 4-3-40. The Jets really liked him coming out of Ole Miss, and actually when they traded up in the first round to draft Elijah Vera Tucker, they were they were obviously excited for AVT, but in the back of their minds, they were a little upset because they were thinking, man, like at 23 – we probably, you know, maybe Elijah would have been on the board at 23 overall, which is where the Jets were, let alone at 34, where they actually took him in the second round. So the Jets are very excited about him. And he's uh, how, how did Robert Sala describe him? A jitterbug. He's quick. He gets open. I know I've said that a lot, but I think really what you got to be aware of, not only do you have to be aware of him getting open on short and intermediate routes and taking it a couple more yards down the field. He also gets open and he gets vertical. I mean, his first training camp, reception was a deep pass from Zach Wilson down the sideline and Elijah Moore. He's got a veteran presence around about him. And I think that you really got to watch out for him on Sunday. And if you were to compare his game to somebody, I, I'm not saying that they're the same player or they'll have the same career, but this guy was a jet years ago. Santonio Holmes is kind of similar. He's not your, your biggest receiver, but he's quick. He gets open and he just makes plays. And so far, that's what Elijah Moore has been for the Jets. All right. When the Jets hired Robert Sala, I think there was a lot of expectation that the defense would get better. And certainly as Texans fans and, and, and people here know, he was with the Texans for a number of years on the coaching staff. So with that being said, the, the Jets defense is giving up 414 yards um, on average, and they're giving up uh, a league high of 32 points a game. So what is the biggest issue that's really ailing this Jets defense this year? Is it just a lot of young players? Is it chemistry? You know, is there, is there one or two things that you can really point your finger to as to why this, this defense is, is really struggling this year? Well, the defense took a step in the right direction against the Dolphins. But before that, I mean, after the bye week, the Jets were allowing an average of 45 points per game. 
And I think the biggest thing which anybody will tell you is in this defense that is coached or coordinated by Jeff Ulbrich, and obviously Robert, it has Robert Sala influences weaved throughout. It's really limiting the explosive plays. And that's what broke the Jets this past Sunday against the Dolphins. Mac Hollins had a 65-yard touchdown. The Dolphins go up 14-7. to They never regained a lead, meaning the Jets. So really that's the focal point for this Jets defense is limit explosive plays. And what the defense defines as an explosive play is passing plays that go, I believe, over 17 yards or 20 yards and rushes that go over 12 to 15. So those are really the, the focal points for the Jets defense. And the Jets lately have not been great against the run. The defensive line is the strength of this group. There, it's strength in numbers. It's strength in personnel, obviously led by Quinn and Williams. Then you think about guys like Sheldon Franklin, John Franklin Myers. One guy that I have my eye on, he's on injured reserve right now, but Bryce Huff was expected to return against the Texans. We'll see whether or not that actually happens. The Jets like him a lot. He's a second-year player out of Memphis who was undrafted last season. So I think that stopping the run and limiting explosive plays those would be the two areas where I, I think and also where C.J. Mosley, who is one of the captains of this team, said those are the two areas where the Jets need to really tighten the screws and then they'll be able to play a little more free. All right. Well, this Jets defense will face Tyrod Taylor, who's going to get his fifth start on Sunday when the Jets arrive here in Houston. Um, the, you probably saw your fair share of Tyrod Taylor during his time in the AFC East when he was with Buffalo. What, uh, what do you remember about covering Tyrod? What really stands out? to you about Taylor when he was there with the Buffalo Bills? Well, not only was he with the Bills, but the Jets played Tyrod Taylor when he was with the Browns in 2018. Right. And I think the thing that stands out is, it's kind of what we've discussed in the past is Tyrod Taylor. What it's, you have to defend two plays. You have to defend the play in structure, and then you have to defend the play outside of structure because he is mobile. And the thing about Tyrod is that he doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. So really you, you gotta, you gotta, you got to make the most of your opportunities when they present themselves, whether or not that is a sack in a one-on-one -on -one situation, staring down Taylor, whether that is a tipped ball an overthrow, whatever the case may be, you got to make the most of it because Tyrod is a very smart player. And obviously he's experienced in the league. He's stuck around for a long time as a starter and a backup. And not everybody does that. So what stands out to me from what I remember about his days in Buffalo and Cleveland, when the jets played him is that I remember everybody saying, on the defensive line is all they're trying to do is they're just trying to collapse the pocket. So they don't allow Tyrod to break free, not even necessarily sack him. They just don't want him to be able to break contain and create a chunk play outside of structure. So you couple that with the smarts and not turning the ball over. And what I remember is him just being a very sound player and a player that can win you ball games. And more importantly, won't lose you ball games. All right. Good stuff. Ethan Greenberg, Team reporter for the Jets, Ethan, thanks so much for the time and safe travels to Houston. Thank you very much. Looking forward to Sunday. You can catch the game on Sunday at noon. Kickoff will be on CBS and Sports Radio 610. And be sure to catch the pregame show with myself and Drew Doherty about an hour before kickoff on the Houston Texans mobile app. And, hey, if you're following the Texans on Facebook and Twitter and social media, you'll get an alert. So be sure to check it out. We give you a live look at the field. We show you the starting lineups, the actives and inactives as soon as we get them. And, uh, you know, sometimes we show you game day looks like the one that Tyrod 
Sean Taylor was talking about a little bit earlier. It's all on our pregame show. You definitely, definitely don't want to miss it. All right, finally, a bonus interview for this week's podcast. It's Manav Gupta. You might have heard him on Sports Radio 610 uh, in the loop with with Seth Payne and Sean Pennergast a few weeks ago. He's also gotten some great interviews with Astros players during their World Series run. And you know what? He's only 18 years old. He's battling a genetic disease, and he he is really just a hustler. He's up there go, going and getting interviews. And, you know, I talked to him about how it all started out, how he's able to get some big names, uh, who his booking agent is, because I think as a, any 18-year-old, I, I think anybody would love to see, get some of the interviews that he's gotten. And we talk about what the future holds for him, some of his words of advice, uh, things that he's learned along the way. That's right here on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Super sports fan, Manav Gupta. You may have heard him on Sports Radio 610. He's gotten a lot of really big guests. I'm really honored to have him on. He's 18 years old. He follows everything. Mana, welcome in. I'm. It's just such a pleasure to finally meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, I was driving into work one day and I heard you on with Sean and Seth on the morning show. And then, of course, you're very active on Twitter. So during the Astros World Series run, I saw you interviewing Jose Altuve and then you just interviewed Brandon Cook. So yeah. Uh, I just got to ask that who's, who's your booking agent? How are you booking all these great interviews? Oh, it's all, I'm just doing it myself. I'm my own agent. I'm just trying to um, just do as much as I possibly can. I'm just, I'm just trying to work hard and get um, as many guests. And I want to talk to different athletes and really want to get their perspective as this is something I want to do in the future. Being a sportscaster, I thought it'd be really fun and also a great practice for me um, as I want to do this in the future. All right. So when and how did you start your YouTube channel? Uh, I started my YouTube channel, I think at the end of probably December 2019. Um, I always had a great interest in sports and my parents originally suggested I start, you know, a sports blog, maybe start writing about the NFL. And I did that. And then I realized maybe I should step it up and, you know, come on video, start talking, giving my analysis on camera. And I thought, you know, why don't I start my own YouTube channel? And I started talking about the NFL. I do NFL, NFL predictions pretty much every week. And it just started becoming into that. And then I talked about baseball and basketball and then started interviewing athletes. And that's where I am right now. All right. So how do you do your prep for your interviews? Obviously, you have to watch all the games. But when you're interviewing athletes, I know even though I work for the Texans and I cover this team every single day, there's a lot of preparation before you interview every athlete. You want to get every single question. You don't want to forget anything. Maybe you want to touch on some other aspects of their life. What does your process look like for uh, getting ready for these interviews? Well, after I ask the athlete and then they approve it, like they say, yeah, you can interview me. I, first of all, I just, you know, jot down immediately all the questions that I have at that moment. And then once I have them written down, I kind of go back over it and kind of scan through what would be probably some of the most important questions I'd want to ask. And I do that first and then um, kind of run through it, kind of figure out what, how am I going to go through these questions in order and also going to uh, look back through the player's career, kind of research about them, what are their biggest moments and what I remember and what I think is special about them and kind of ask based on that. That's a great process. So out of all the people you've interviewed so far, who, which interviews have really stood out to you? Well, um, you know, there are a lot of interviews, but I think Jose Altuve was by far um, my biggest interview because not only getting the chance to meet him in person, but to interview him like reporters do on TV, I thought was a really 
great experience for me. And um, he, he's such a great guy. So uh, he welcomed me and made me really comfortable in that moment, which made me allow me to ask him, you know, questions that I would freely. So it was nice. Do you, do you get nervous before interviews? I mean, that is a big moment. And um, that's a big stage. You know, you know it, it is a little bit nervous, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm just so happy to be talking to these guys. So I just think of it, you know, as a fun moment to just interact with them and, you know, I, it, the rest of it take care of itself, you know, so. All right. So you're 18, you're a senior in high school. Does this mean that you're going to go on and do broadcasting? Is that in your future in college? Yeah. What are your plans? Yeah. So actually I already got accepted into the University of Houston. So I will be majoring in journalism over there next year. And I'll be at UH for my next four years of college and hopefully uh, stay here in Houston to become a sportscaster after that. Yeah, but you love Houston sports. So that's yeah. perfect for you. You get to keep up with your favorite sports teams. Of course, yeah. What What is your advice for other high school students? Because I know when I was your age in high school, or my high school had a radio station. That's kind of how I got started. But it is really hard to book big interviews. I wasn't interviewing professional athletes until probably I was working as a professional in this industry, but what, what advice do you have for other students that want to get into stuff like this to how, how to get their start? Well, if you're really interested in sports broadcasting and, uh, you know, being a sports reporter, I think you should, you know, you can start right away. You can have your own podcast. Um, you can have your own YouTube channel. You can just talk about what you love and talk about sports. And that's just the beginning. And then as you get into it, you know, these things start happening where you can reach out. Once you have a following, you can reach out to these athletes that you love and just have a chance to interview them and what you just have to have a starting point and once you have a starting point everything can bounce on from that so just um you know once you have an interest just you know start something up and you'll you'll definitely go far all right I know you're a big Texans fan so what yeah. is a big moment in Texans history that has really stood out to you that you that you really love to look back on well I think it was um you know when we last made the playoffs at wildcard game against the Buffalo Bills. I think that moment was something that really, really stood out to me. We were down 16, nothing. And then, um, you know, we had Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt, they all came and were able to make a, an amazing comeback. And then win that game in overtime, obviously Deshaun, you know, is, um, not long, no longer part of here, but, um, it was just an amazing moment that I really look up to probably one of the greatest moments in playoff history for the Houston Texans coming back from a 16, nothing deficit and winning it in overtime. I think is a game that I'll always remember. Yeah. And I remember JJ Watt coming off of injured reserve and getting the big sack. And it seemed like yeah. the whole energy in the stadium just shifted. Yeah. Um, that, that is a great moment. Yeah. I want to mention one of the first things that I learned about you when you and I were, were sending messages on Twitter is that you deal with a, a condition called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. What for people that don't know what it is, what can you tell us about it and how does that affect you? Well, it's a genetic disease and basically um, your muscles are much weaker than a normal person would. And, you know, some of the challenges that I face on a daily basis would be um, that I can't climb stairs or I can't necessarily run, but, you know, I, I'm still walking. So I think that's just a, I, I'm fortunate to have that at, right now. And um, that's really it, obviously. But, um, you know, I have a lot of other things going on in my life. And I just try to focus on some of the fun things like interviewing different athletes and um, talking on my YouTube channel about sports. It's a great outlet. And you know what, that's hats off to you for just going after what you want and, and getting it. I think there's a lot of people that 
much later in their life, they think they want to look back and, 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 and wish they had done things differently, but good for you for going after your dreams now. And, and, you know, we want to give you something for being such a huge Texans fan. Um, we're going to give you some tickets. We've got some home games coming up. So uh, the Colts are here at energy stadium on December 5th. We'd love to invite you and a guest to come and enjoy the game on us and, and get to, to watch the game in person and, and make more memories with us. How does that sound? Oh, I'd love to come to the game. I'd really love to. All right, Mona, such a pleasure. You can follow him. Why don't you plug your YouTube channel and uh, your Twitter as well while people are listening? Uh, so you can, my YouTube channel is Mona Sports Talk. It's my name, M-A-A-N-A-V, Sports Talk on YouTube. You can go ahead and subscribe um, and check out my videos. You can also follow me on Twitter at NG Sports Talk on Twitter where I come out with daily takes and just some of the stuff that I have in my life that I think is worth, worth sharing. Yeah, and you do. You've got some great interviews and some great moments already. Looking forward to many more and uh, looking forward to seeing you here on December 5th, Monav. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. All right. He's already got a YouTube channel. He's already got his Twitter account. That's way more than I had at that age. I don't even, well, Twitter wasn't even around and neither was YouTube. So um, I think it is great that you can actually put your content out there for other people to follow as well and really make a name for yourself. And he will be as he continues his college journey here at the University of Houston. Wish him the best of luck um, in his journey. And uh, maybe we'll see him, you know, in a few weeks when the Texans host the Colts. So three game home stretch coming up, Jets, Colts, Seahawks, and then the Texans will be on the road again against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we've got a little surprise for the pregame show for the Jaguars game. So stay tuned. You'll hear about it in the next coming weeks, but it's a really big surprise. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's going to do it for our podcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.